here in San Francisco.
welcome to Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco. And if you want real change on a soul level, you've come to the right place. Hey, welcome to Spiritual Psychology. Thank you. <laughs> so, what did you want to work on? We were talking about receiving and yes. giving, and you know, those are like breathing in and breathing out, giving and receiving. Most of us are better at one thing than the other. <laughs> Most people are not very good at receiving. But mm. why don't you talk a little bit about your relationship with with what's been happening? Um, for you that shows you that you need to do a little bit of work to open up to receive better? Uh, well, I think I had this time in my life for a while where um, I was just not getting much nourishment, like emotional nourishment um, or physical, I guess. Or, uh, well, just not getting a lot from an, a previous significant other. Mm -hmm. And now I'm currently with someone who is so generous. Uh, I think, yeah, I think before I just kind of got to a place where even I would ask for something in like very extreme circumstances like when it for instance when it was my birthday my ex would say happy birthday baby <laughs> give me a check uh, a kiss on the cheek not even a card nothing would never plan anything or you know not make me dinner not pick me flowers like just nothing ever and uh, one wow. time I was super sick on my birthday and um, had asked him, you know, he didn't do the same thing, you know, happy birthday, baby, gave me a kiss, and I was just kind of laying around being sick all day, and I was kind of weak and pathetic, and I hadn't eaten, and I just said, yeah, could you, do you think you can make me dinner? I don't care if it's something just like really, just like rice and veggies or whatever, and he was like, ah! <laughs> and, I, well, I, and I was like, all right, never mind, and he's like, no, I'll do it. And so I just got to this place where I just hated having needs, period, because they just were not going to be fulfilled even if I asked for them. So I just kind of gave up. And, um, yeah, so now I'm seeing this person who's just super generous. Who's so like, I'm going to the store. Do you want anything? Or just will bring me treats or do all these things. And then I have this experience around before Christmas time, where he was like, we went to a store together just so, like, he took me there so I could get stuff for my new apartment, and it's really sweet. And, like, I'm getting the stuff, and I'm not thinking anything else is going to happen. And I'm just telling him, like, ah, oh, I tried to get this pan, and it was too expensive, and the lady's giving me all this rigmarole. And he's like, oh, what pan was it that you wanted? And I just felt like, what? Is he going to try to get me the pan? It's way too expensive. I just, like, changed the subject and let the world. And then there was, uh, we came across this display of weighted blankets, and um, I had read about them before and heard they were really good for anxiety, and 
there was a woman there talking to the sales lady about her her grandson was autistic and you know she thought it'd be really good for him so they were talking all about it and I was like oh did you see the Temple Grandin movie <laughs> so we we're just talking about weighted blankets and then we kind of left there and he was like oh so if you thought if you were going to get one of those do you think you would want the 12 pound the 15 pound the 20 pound do you like the brown one do you like the gray one and again I just like kind of ran away <laughs> I just didn't really know what to say <laughs> it was like well and another time he said, oh, what do you think about these pillows? And I was like, oh, they're nice. They're, I don't know. They're pillows, whatever. And he's like, well, no, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to buy some new pillows for my bed because you're going to be staying over there. And I was like, what? No, you should get pillows that you like that work for you. And he's like, no, but you're going to stay there. I want you to be comfortable. And I was like, oh, and I ran away, I guess. <laughs> so, There's a pattern here of running away. Oh, uh, yeah. That kind of seems to be a thing. And then, um, so I did let him get me the weighted blankets, very sweet, and he got me a mattress topper for my bed, so it wouldn't be as, like, actively trying to kill me, the mattress. <laughs> it's, like, slightly less uncomfortable now. And um, he's just constantly wanting to do stuff for me and get stuff for me, which is so sweet, logically. I recognize that. It's amazing. It's sweet. It's wonderful. It's the best. And then I just kind of, I just, I just run and run away. I just feel like this is the craziest thing ever. Why? What is happening here? And I think it kind of freaks me out. So I don't want to mess up the relationship by being super weird. Um, I think I have also have a little fear that um, I, I have historically had issues with taking care of myself financially, and I don't want to end up in some weird situation where he's like enabling me or something like that um and and so just putting attention on that and also wanting to be able to uh, take in generosity where it is presenting itself in my life yeah and so what's your relationship with giving to others Oh, my God, I love to get, like, when I have money, oh, I could just give and give and give, and I feel so good, and I feel so, I don't know, it just feels really, really good when I, uh, yeah, there's just been points in the past where I had money or I went overboard with credit cards or whatever, but just really enjoy giving to people and, you know, like, finding something they'll like or providing an experience or, Anything like that. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love it. It makes me feel uh, maybe in some ways like, I don't want to say, not quite powerful, but like, I, I guess, yeah, like I have something to give, I think, something like that, something in there about that. I'm going to poke at that a little bit. So what So what yeah. feels good about giving? Because I, I happen understand the, <laughs> the benefits of generosity so for myself so what's it like yeah. to be generous with others uh, it feels good okay also I was I worked as a fundraiser for a while and I really started to see how people didn't you know I always thought like oh how am I going to and first, how am I going to convince people to give money to this thing? And it turns out people really love to do that, especially 
if people have a lot of money, they don't necessarily have the experience of doing the on the ground, you know, boots on the ground kind of uh, grassroots work. Because maybe they're working all the time or whatever, but they have money and they feel like, wow, that's a great way that I can contribute because I can't be this, you know, volunteer 24-7 person like these other lucky people. But I can give money and that makes me feel really good and like I'm helping people and helping whatever cause. And so, yeah, I remember times when I could take people out to dinner or get them the thing that they really wanted or surprise somebody with a gift or an experience or something. And I think I felt really good about myself when I did that. So what do you think feels good about that in your experience as a fundraiser and also just in your own experience? What do you think feels good about giving? Like contributing to something larger than oneself for fundraising, for sure. Right, so there's a sense of connection with the larger society, yeah. with the larger world, with the larger cause. Yeah, doing something good. Important. Um, yeah. And in, individually, uh, what happens when we give generously to another? I think it, it feels very abundant and prosperous that we can I don't in some ways it's like giving love or something mm -hmm. it, it can be ab absolutely a physical expression of love when the giving is pure mm-hmm mm-hmm mm -hmm. not I mean, just like can... a gift certificate or something but never even that maybe depending on what and the person and everything so it's the yeah. extension of your feelings of your energy toward the person in physical form to connect with them. Yeah. <laughs> and so in order for giving to be to work, it yeah. has to be receiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like they really they really go together. You can't it is hard to give if someone won't receive. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking back on the times now where I spent a bunch of time creating something for someone and like what if I was giving it to them and they ran away? <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so awful. Oh God. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so how is it how is it to look at it that way as I mean I really see it as like breathing in breathing out it's really two sides they can't be giving without receiving yeah it's funny too because I, I have totally seen it like that in areas of my life where someone has offered me help and I feel like oh my god there's never going to be any way in the world that I could possibly repay that person for all their kindness and generosity there's just no way and so I pass it on to someone else kind of thing. Right. Pay and that, that, yeah, and that feels normal and good. But, yeah, I'm still just having this weird block around. I guess maybe it's just specifically in a romantic relationship 
because whatever, being like sort of deprived for a while or something, it's hard to open up again to, I guess, feel safe or something to acknowledge that I have needs and that someone else might be able to help me with them. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> so, what's ugh? Is there, do you think it has anything to do with vulnerability? Or... Yes. <laughs> yes. And what is it, what's vulnerable about receiving for you? Mm -hmm. Let's see. I mean, I think it is for most people. Receiving I guess it's like... Yeah, like say with this blanket, I feel, some part of me feels a little defensive, like, you know, it's fine, it's not like I'm cold or I can't relax or find a way to relax on my own, like, you know, you giving me this thing isn't going to solve all my problems or anything. <laughs> God, it's just something a little more crazy the more I say it out loud. Well, I think it's it's important to unpack what our defenses are mm -hmm. around the openness of being receptive. Yeah. And I mean, I think in general, certainly culturally, I mean, I think about as a nation. Like uh -huh. the other nations or the organizations or social whatever that we give to as a nation tend to be things that are needy, that are disempowered. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a, there can be a connection, I think, culturally with receiving having to do with being in deficit. Oh, yeah, it's like that whole, I don't take charity kind of attitude. Right. We're, we're receiving is about charity as opposed to about an, ex an energy exchange of love or care mm -hmm. or humanity. Mm -hmm. And, Ooh. you know, from the largest, from like an archetypal standpoint, from an archetype standpoint, if we look at masculine and feminine, um, which have nothing to do with genitals, but the masculine yeah. and feminine principles, the masculine mm -hmm. being the kind of active, protective, intellectual, the giver, the one that's putting energy out, right. um, and then the feminine being the more receptive, uh, wisdom-oriented, um, surrendered, vulnerable, that's traditionally been seen as a weakness. Right. As a, and, and, you know, really, my, I know I thought that that was a weakness for a lot of my life. And, you know, having, it was really, for me, when I had children and, and how to open up to the experience of being a mother, of surrendering to the birth process, of being willing mm. to receive these children in my life and surrender to them, um, mm. that I understood the tremendous strength that's in that experience. Mm. 
and the grace mm. that comes through that when we can surrender to the life force in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes tremendous courage, actually, and trust to open up mm. and not try to control what comes to us. Mm. And to mm-hmm. really lay ourselves open to the life experience, which, I mean, in a microcosm, could be what receiving a gift is. It's about, I'm going to receive what you give me and not question it and see what it wants to offer me as opposed to trying to control what it is or control you and how you give it to me. So it really takes, it really takes a tremendous amount of, I think, courage and strength to do that, but it's a different kind of courage. It's a receptive, yeah. vulnerable strength. Yeah. So, I don't know. How is it to hear that? What do you, what do you think about that? Yes. That makes me think of two exes ago who would give me things maybe in a little bit of a manipulative way. Like, I gave you this, so I get this. And then my dad, too, um, just always feeling kind of obligated there. And there being a history of sexual abuse and then him giving me money, which, you know, maybe on some level was him apologizing or something, but then me feeling obligated to you know, show up for events that he was at or, you know, family gatherings or whatever that I did not feel comfortable at. So that's the so yeah, it does feel vulnerable. giving and receiving. Right. But yeah. that's the shadow side of giving and receiving, that giving and receiving are often yeah. used as power tools and manipulation and mm. control mechanisms that I'll give you this if you do that. Or I'll right. give you this if you don't do that. Yeah. And if you don't do what I want, then you aren't going to receive what I'm going to give you, which is right. which is really that's the dark, that's the dark side of giving. That is not giving love. That's about power and manipulation and control. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the whole patriarchy thing. Like I'll give you protection if you have sex with me or whatever agreements have been made in the past. So I think it's important for for us to take responsibility for our part in that and responsibility for when... So this is about discernment, too. I think it's it's very easy to have... All of us have had bad experiences with giving and receiving. And Mm -hmm. it is out of integrity to be vulnerable to manipulative giving. Like, that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's important to smell that out and and make the decision. It's actually, we're actually prostituting ourselves if we Mm -hmm. receive and allow ourselves to be manipulated. Yeah. And, but to throw all receiving, what just happened? (laughs) Uh, Just thinking of receiving and allowing ourselves to be manipulated, like, my whole time in my spiritual community. Do you want to say a little bit about that? That I recently left. Um, Just receiving the spiritual teachings and sort of esoteric knowledge 
and then allowing myself to be manipulated into doing excessive service or being treated in certain ways or um, uh, kind of encouraged to not be my authentic self. Yeah, that was... And to submit to the teacher without question. Yes, and that. No questioning. Which is where it gets dangerous. I think that's the part... And the teacher actually said to me during our ending time, I gave you everything. Which was (laughs) quite telling. Right. Okay. And it's actually not true. Yeah. Because teacher gave you some things and then asked you to give everything. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot there to work with. There is. So, so the discernment to know when it's appropriate and healthy and a growing edge to be vulnerable to healthy, loving giving and when it's not appropriate when there's manipulation happening, when it's a power issue, and, you know, I think for myself, I tend to feel that in my body. My brain will Mm -hmm. often have a story around it that's confusing, but I'll often feel it really in in my belly, which is like my third chakra, which is our power center, right? Um, For me, I don't know where you feel it when, when you feel like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Somebody's trying to manipulate me. Mm. Do you have that experience in your body? Oh, yeah, so it feels like that. second and third chakras. Yeah. 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 Which is about relationship and it's our, how we connect with others. Yeah. And, and our personal power. Yeah. So... It's very easy to, you know, if we have, if we've been abused and, you know, in in whatever way we've been, if there's been power abuse in our life, it's very easy to just want to avoid all receiving. Yes, it is. But it's kind of an immature approach. because, And what happens is, I mean, we may, quote, unquote, keep ourselves safe, but we're also totally negating the possibility of the, the genuine connection and the reception of love that is coming toward us and, and the growth and nourishment that can come from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, from, from my perspective, it's, it's about maturing our own feminine receptivity that everybody Mm. has. Men have that too. Like we all need to learn, you know, the imbalance of, of the masculine force in our world really needs to be counterbalanced by this ability to have a strong, grounded, wise ability to receive when appropriate. Yeah. And to be able to discern that in a mature way. Yeah. Does that sound accurate to you? Or? Very accurate, yes. Okay. 
Okay, so I think the first place, so do you have anything else? What comes up with all that before we kind of go into doing some work? Anything you want to? Uh, nothing to add. That all feels super appropriate and spot on. Okay, great. So why don't you take a minute and ground yourself in your body and call in spiritual help, guides and teachers, whatever wants to come. I think particularly aspects of the divine feminine that you might be connected with. Mm-hmm. And we can see if there's more that wants to be added to that that can really assist in the development of this kind of discernment and maturing this ability and clearing anything that is keeping you in this kind of defensive, wounded place. So who shows up when we offer that? What wants to happen? Uh, Turtle and the Empress. And where are they in relation to you? Uh, In my body. Uh, Turtle, second chakra, Empress, third chakra. Great. So before we even start, see if there's anything that they want to do or communicate with you in those energy centers that wants to happen to prepare for this or anything initiatory or any any healing that wants to happen before we even move any further. They just kind of wanted to get closer, so they're touching. And so, if you think about these these teachers mm-hmm. and your relationship with them, are you defended against them? Do you feel open to them? What's your relationship with their energy? Very open. And what allows you to have that level of openness with them? I I just know that they have my best interests and my growth at heart, in their heart. And how do you know that? How do you discern that they have your best interest at heart. How does that feel in your body? Mm. Or other ways you might know. Yeah, it just feels calm. Like I'm not nervous or anxious in any way. It feels grounded and calm. And you trust that in yourself? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just to notice that you have very easily the ability to discern when it's safe to trust and be vulnerable. Do you see that? (sighs) Yeah. Did you know that or is that new information? I guess I know that. (laughs) I just 
have felt like in the past, if there's something where I felt anxious or whatever, I especially if it was a, with a person who I felt like I should trust and feel good about, I would just tell myself some story and talk myself into it rather than listening to that feeling and going with it. And how did that go for you when you did that? Never well. <laughs> very, very catastrophically badly. Right. And where did that training come from? To go against your own internal process and oh. tell yourself you should trust this person and open yourself against your own better judgment. Yeah, childhood sexual abuse by relatives who are supposed to be caring for me and protecting me. Like, they couldn't be doing that to me. That just doesn't make any sense. And so I'm just going to make up a story in my mind about how great right, they so are. There's a, right, so there's a, terrible, there's a terrible splitting between your own experience and the external reality. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the not the external reality, but the perceived reality or the idealized reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So there's your experience yeah. that this isn't trustworthy, and then there's this idealized reality that it should be trustworthy. Yes, correct. Right. So that, so, I mean, just to have compassion for yourself, that that split between the narrative and the experience makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. Right? Logically, yes. <laughs> okay. So, so if we go into, so take for example, you know, you just gave a couple of great examples of being out shopping with this really generous person that you're dating and them wanting to purchase something for you and asking questions yeah. about what it is that you would like and you running away. So yeah. before you run away, <laughs> um, <laughs> so if once you become aware that they want to give something to you, yeah. so like pick one of those examples, right, to, and, um, and see if you can sense or feel or imagine once you become aware that they want to give to you, and what happens in your body? I just feel kind of overcome with fear. <laughs> it's like a total flight response. I feel like a, a deer, and I just want to flee. I just want to run through the forest right. and jump over the fences. And ah. <laughs> Hence the running away. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so if you bring your... No one is safe to do that. How do you experience that fear in your body? Where is it? Where does that fear live? Notice like, it in your throat, in your chest, in your belly. Yeah, yeah, chest, throat, head. Okay. And it kind of starts in my chest and then just kind of goes up. And so, if you bring your awareness even closer to that fear, 
that comes up yeah. when someone is threatening generosity. <laughs> what? That feels like the right way to say that. See, <laughs> um, <laughs> and your guys and teachers might be able to show you this. See if you can sense or feel or imagine perhaps the very first time you felt that particular kind of fear. doesn't have to make any sense. We aren't really looking for a memory. Just what comes up when I offer that possibility. When was the first time, the first experience of this particular fear in your chest and throat and going up into your head? And what comes up when I offer that possibility of being shown or knowing that origin of this dynamic? Okay, what comes up is the time where I had asked my ex-teacher a question about my writing um, and she didn't know anything about what I was writing but just kind of went off on me about what I, which I guess what she thought I was writing about, why I would be writing it, how I had done that over and over again, how instead I should write what she wanted me to write. That is what I remember having that feeling where things just went like up and out. And then from there, I just kind of left my body and just, that was it. Gone. Okay. So let's see if you can, if we can sense or feel or imagine that part of yourself that's just had this experience of, you know, talking about this creative project and having this response, this particular response that was really disturbing for you and leaving your body. So see if you can notice like where you were sitting or standing or where are you in that moment in time. Uh-huh. You got that? Yeah. Okay, where where are you? Just a little bit, just if you could describe a little bit about what you sense or feel. I started out um, sitting in a chair and just across from this teacher thinking, I'll just ask the question and then leave for the night. And then I asked the question from sitting in the chair and the teacher started going on and on. And I remember, I think I got up to get my coat and sort of go by the door, try to signal that I was leaving and that the conversation could end at any time. And then I remember being just sort of like backed up against a wall and just feeling like, oh God, I just want to get out of here. And then really feeling that feeling of like, whoosh, I just left my body and I was crying and and the teacher was saying, like, where did you go? Where are you? You're not here right now, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So let's see if if you can sense or feel or imagine bringing yourself as you are today with all the work that you've done and bringing Turtle and Empress with you and stepping into the scene with this part of yourself that sounds like she's pretty traumatized. And... Yeah. I'll come with you too, and we want to tell her that we're here to help her. 
and that she doesn't need to be alone with this anymore and that there's a lot of help for her. We really see her and understand what's happening for her. And how is it for her to hear that? Very she emotional. She doesn't need to be alone anymore. What's emotional about it for her? It feels so alone in this moment. The mm -hmm. teacher was laying into her, and the teacher's significant other was there in the room, clearly very uncomfortable, but not stepping in in any way or not saying anything. And so that part of me. Well, there's did even feel. some social embarrassment and kind of being ganged up on, even though the oh yeah the, par the partner might not have been saying anything. Yeah. Okay. And so, how do the guides and teachers feel about her? They are so over her. How do the guides and teachers feel about the traumatized part of yourself? Uh, they feel like, damn, she was really stepping up in that moment and trying to share something creative that was potentially going to uplift her in a really dark, depressed time and was just met with weird negativity and controllingness and like, mm, vehement controllingness, I would say. Okay. Not any kind of freedom or encouragement or friendship even. And how does this the traumatized part of yourself feel about the guides and teachers? She feels amazed because she just had felt totally alone at that time and is amazed that there are beings out there who are in support of her, period. And so if she feels into her body, does she feel like she can trust them? Yeah. Or does that trust need to be earned by them? No, she trusts them. Okay. So I think the first thing that we might want to do is see this, that there's part of her that left her body mm. and see if if you or the traumatized part of yourself or you guys and teachers can become aware of where that life energy went. Because when we talk about leaving our body, you know, in spiritual psychology, that's literal. Like a part of us actually shears off and leaves. And... Yeah, I feel like really it's still, Yeah, that's definitely what it felt like. I yeah. feel like that part of me is still residing there in that house. Okay. So, can Empress or Turtle collect it back, or does another guide and teacher need to do that? No, they got it. Okay. And that. The life energy that was separated out 
does she need anything before she returns back into the hole? She Empress collected her up the ceiling, an internal took her into her body and it feels like kind of processed her or something like um mm-hmm. I don't know, sort of pulled out or God, what even would that be? Like disintegrated the parts that were attached to the teacher and brought back the authentic me parts and then it can be It feels like a little bit of a digestive process happened. Yes, okay, thank you, yes, digestive Right. Uh, So separating out can be not mm -hmm. right. Sort of take the nourishment and release what's not helpful anymore. Correct. Okay. And how does that life energy get restored back to this path that was traumatized? Uh, then the turtle comes up to uh, my second, third chakras, me, my adult self, and mm-hmm. uh, attaches her little soft underbelly to me, and it's mm-hmm. kind of just um, dissolves into me. Okay, so see if you can really just surrender to that and open to receiving back that life energy into your body. You might feel a filling sensation, you might not. And what happens when you do that? Do you notice anything? You might not. It's really amazing and good and beautiful and golden and sparkly and warm and creative. Great. So really integrating and allowing that energy to infiltrate and find its home back physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, creatively, sexually, socially. It may in it may integrate all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers and up to the crown of your head. It'll find its place. Yeah, it feels like it's reaching out into all the cracks and crevices and putting roots down and sending branches up and out. Excellent. I really wanted to return. So this is one of the major aspects and causes of trauma is when a parts of ourselves shear off because they don't know how to manage the experience we're having and they, and they get we get kind of shattered or separated out and then there's not a coming back together and so bringing bringing that which fled back is really important mm-hmm. mm. So really giving that some space and how does that feel to receive back this part of your own life energy? 
shocking and really good and very nourishing and enlivening. So ask Turtle if there's anything else to be complete with that integration, that retrieval of that part of your soul and life energy. She says that she is the discerning wisdom, and she has her two sides where she can be soft and receptive, and she can also be very discerning and protective. And so she, that is why she lives in my second chakra. Excellent. And so, does that feel complete for right now? Well, Empress is also there, and she's just pointing out that it can be a very powerful experience to receive. It can feel really glorious and regal and wonderful which is definitely not how I thought about it, but that feels right. Great. So now what we want to do is this part of yourself that was traumatized, we want to get her out of that scene. Is That happened a long time ago. There's absolutely no purpose in staying there, and she already lived through it and we've collected what needs to be collected here. And so we want to bring her into present time. And so we want to bring her maybe to a safe and sacred place, maybe a place in nature maybe a place you've been before, a place that has only your highest good in mind. And where would you bring her? That's a special garden that I go to by the ocean. Other parts have gone for healing, for healing and sunny and warm and lavish earth wise. And so how is it for her to be there in this place? Uh, it feels like such a relief. She could just lay on the grass and stare up at the sky and cry and feel held by all the guides and teachers there and rejuvenated. Great, so let her really receive from the earth and from the heavens and from the sky to really come into present time, knowing that she is held and loved and seen and understood. She's safe in this place. 
And how is it for her to do that? <sighs> Very healing. She no longer feels like such a victim, and she doesn't feel alone. And she feels like she's getting her power back, her creativity. So just really, again, allowing yourself to receive and noticing how it feels in your body to receive in this way. How is it to receive in this way? That's so amazing and wonderful. It feels like just pure love, like in its purest form, not trying to get anything that with any end result in mind, just like pure exchange of love energy. And so, just allowing yourself to receive and consciously notice how you have an innate ability and a healthy ability to receive when it's safe to do that in a really open way and vulnerable way. Can you see that and feel that? Yeah. So that's really great. You have that. So there is a natural discernment that's there and well-developed. Does that make sense? Can you yeah. do that? Yeah. Okay. Is there more that that part of yourself needs to receive in this place? from the earth and from the sky. She's receiving her warm sunshine and the beautiful smells of the flowers, super sweet, the earthy smell of the grass and all the hedges and plants and flowering trees and the dirt and the smell of the ocean and the sound of the ocean nearby. <sighs> so really using all of her senses yeah. to receive the connection with yeah. the earth yeah. and the cosmos. Yes. Yeah. Validating her to renewing her restoring and refreshing her. Yeah. To her natural place as a part of this world. To breathe in and breathe out. Yeah. Mm. And how is it for her to do that? 
it makes it feel, or not even it makes it feel like, but it is a sort of visceral representation of giving and receiving. And someday, like, she'll die and her bones will go back to nourish the earth. Mm-hmm. It's all very cyclical. Not, no part of it is more or less important than the other. And how is it for her to surrender to that cycle, be a part of it, an important part of it, an intrinsic part of it? fine and natural. Excellent. So I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine bringing yourself as you are today into this place with this part of yourself into the garden with this teaching that's happening with this restoring of her natural order and how do you feel about this part of yourself Uh, I feel like Fucking welcome back, friend. It's been a long time. Mm. And how does she feel about you? She's amazed. Like the her from back then never thought things could be different. Mm -hmm. I felt like she was falling into a deeper and deeper kind of suffering that there was no escape from. Mm -hmm. Does she know what's happened since that time? Does she know what's happening in her life today? Yeah. She just got some kind of a big download and she's shocked and amazed and happy and relieved. And what makes her happy and what's the relief? Happy to be free and relief to, like she, the her back then, didn't have to go through all that I did to get out of that situation, like four years of suffering, where she gets to just experience my current mind state, which is free from that particular part of my suffering that existed back then. Right. Well, you already lived through it once. We don't need to do it again. Exactly. Right. So does this part of yourself want to stay in this garden to kind of continue to restore herself, or is she interested or willing to come and be a part of your life today to rejoin the greater whole? She would like to join the greater whole. Excellent. So... And are you, is there anything you need to do or change to make room to support and love and nourish this part of yourself in the way that she's always needed? Yeah, as she lays there, all the guys and teachers come around and just lay their hands on her. Mm. 
and then they're just you know, sometimes they're claws <laughs> or <laughs> bellies or <laughs> hooves <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, just like kind of toning mm-hmm. whatever their form of chanting or noise making is mm-hmm. imbuing her with their power and love Mm. So my sense is is that this part of yourself that fled is actually a really powerful, sacred part of you. How is it to hear that? really good. It feels shocking but familiar. So this is one of the real tragedies of this kind of trauma. It's also, I think, the purpose, like the wisdom in this kind of trauma is that the most sacred, the best parts of ourselves flee so that they aren't harmed in a way to keep themselves safe yeah but but the problem is like that's the intention but the problem is they leave us and then we don't have access to them anymore yeah we need that for and we're limping around with one leg Mm -hmm. yeah so This toning that they're doing with her, let me know when that feels complete. And what's happening? They just completed and it was just and so what's the ritual of reconnection they suggest I I can direct it if that's appropriate or the guys and teachers may have a ritual of reconnection we want to integrate these two parts of yourself your your adult ego state as you are now with this soul level part of yourself that's now in present time and ready to return to greater home. Well, there was also this sort of spontaneous shedding of all of her clothes because when she was in that situation, she had on like, it was very cold outside at the time in life and she had on many, many layers and during the traumatic body leaving thing, um, there was just so much sweating, <laughs> you know, it was mm-hmm. hot. And um, and then when she came into the garden, it just felt like this natural, you know, the sun was shining. She just felt naturally warm and not like terribly uncomfortable or anything, not like sweating and awful. 
It's just like it was okay to take off the layers and the barriers mm. and the protective armor and just be herself. And oh, what be a beautiful naked metaphor. And vulnerable. Mhm. 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 And so, tell me about her. Tell me about her. What's good about her? What are her attributes and gifts and strengths and talents? She feels like the super creative, sexual, um, kind of authentically spiritual, curious part of me that can connect to the world through senses, through the senses. Mm. And who feels things very deeply and can translate it into writing usually or other things. in a way that could potentially help other people or support other people or entertain other people. And what's her relationship with discerning what is trustworthy to receive and what is not trustworthy to receive? She is really good at that, and she needs the support of the rest of me to really show up and tell the truth in those moments of doubt or confusion. So she feels like a feminine part. Definitely. And so I wonder if you can notice or invite an aspect or aspects of the healthy masculine within yourself. Yeah. And how do those show up to support her, to protect her, to help her, mm -hmm. to give her voice in a safe way? Hmm. Well, in the second chakra, there's young Chris Cornell who will not have his creative vision compromised in any fucking way. Mm -hmm. And he totally supports whatever that is. And there's the Sun King in the third chakra who is like the powerful ruler who can make shit happen and who is totally like the Empress who's also there, totally sovereign and powerful in themselves and will support her, that part of me and that. And what's their relationship with her? How do they feel about her? They missed her so fucking much. Mm. And how is it they for feel. her 
to have their service and support and strength in this way. It kind of feels like a reunion. Like she is a natural part of this inner pantheon that is a helper and a guide in her own right. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to recognize her equality to all of them. And her value. And her value. And so how would she be integrated back physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, creatively, socially? She is going to come back and live in my body with the rest of the pantheon connecting the second and third and fourth chakras. She's the one that came up with this thing where will and creativity meet heart. There is no fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been trying to get that message to me for a while. Great. <laughs> It's so interesting that this part of you that fled actually feels fearless. It really is. <laughs> yeah. But she has to be connected. She has to. She has to be connected to be fearless. Yeah. yeah. The disconnection is the is the is the misunderstanding. That's the truth. Yeah. There is no right. That's that's the the lie. Yeah. And so how is she brought back into your body? Can you breathe her in? Do you hug her in? Do they bring her back? Really integrating her energy into your energy. She steps in. She's like, kind of like how who is it? The Venus, whoever that floats on the wave. She's Venus and Milo. The turtle. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. She's she's floating on the turtle and holding hands with the Empress and the Sun King. Excellent. So really feel that in your body. Mm. And knowing that restoring and reclaiming this part of yourself will inform and transform all areas of your life, whether you're aware of it or not. Again, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, professionally, creatively, sexually, socially. And that this integration of this part of yourself will continue to inform and transform you in all these areas in the days and weeks and months and even years to come, whether you're aware of it or not and that this greater wholeness will increase your capacity and your energy and your ability of discernment and trust of yourself and 
accurate trust or distrust of others and that with the supportive configuration that is here, that that will happen easily and naturally. This is a new configuration for you and your adult self to be able to receive openly when it's appropriate and to very clearly know when it's not and to trust that without question. So, let's ask if there's anything else that wants to be done or communicated to be complete with this for right now. See if there's anything you guys and teachers want to do, anything part of yourself wants to do or communicate, anything you're like what personality, ego self wants to do or communicate. Let's see if there's anything to be complete for right now, knowing this is going to continue to unfold. Yeah, just the part of her that's connected to the heart chakra. It feels like there's um, like an innocence, curiosity, and at the same time, loving protectiveness that is there also. And the heart chakra that has been missing. So that's great. This is really a part of your own authentic self. Yeah. So be very interesting to see how that wants to manifest in your life. Yes, it will. So you might want to take a moment and just express gratitude, whatever way you want to do that, for the help received, the opportunity for healing, for the return to wholeness. and all the possibilities that it brings going forward and in this moment. Knowing that magic is real, alchemy happens, and healing is possible for all of us. I want to thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably and all your really adept insights and and allowing this process to happen because I really believe that whenever we heal on an individual basis, we elevate the conversation for everyone. We elevate the resonance of what's happening here. So serving ourselves serves everyone. And I really want to appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
So give yourself some rest. Drink a lot of water. Yeah. And kind of journal. That's a great idea. Write yeah. down what happened and um, and blessings on your path. Thank you so so much. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah. And Definitely. check in again. I'd love to hear what's happening. Okay, we'll do. Okay. Thank you again. We'll talk again. All right. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. And if you're interested in having a session on the show, you can send me a text, 415-672-4992. You can send me an email, info at com. I'd look forward to talking to you. Love to set up a time. We can set up time that's not actually live on the radio, although I love to have people come into the station here and do work in person. We can set up a time that works for you. I do a lot of work over the phone. If you're interested in setting up a personal session for yourself or someone that you love, again, you can reach me at ReneeMcKenna.com. My my email is info at ReneeMcKenna.com. And call me at 415-672-4992. My sessions typically last 90 minutes, and they're a blend of talking and then doing what I call the inner work, which is what mostly what you hear here on the radio. And so I want to transition to one of my favorite pieces of work these days. It's actually based on a Tibetan Buddhist well, Tibetan Buddhist meditation. Um, it's called Feeding Your Demons in its most traditional sense. It was developed in the 11th century by a lama, a woman lama, actually. Her name's Machig Labdrong, and it's been brought to us in the West by a really wonderful woman spiritual teacher, um, Buddhist spiritual teacher in Colorado named Lama Tsultrum Alioni. She has a place called Taramandala, a beautiful place. I haven't had the opportunity to be there yet, but I support them and have done a lot of work with them online. If she came to San Francisco um, over the summer, at the, actually the beginning of the fall. It was great to meet her in person, and I got to ask her if I could use this process. I've kind of modified the Feeding Your Demons process to blend it with spiritual psychology, and she gave her blessings for that, which I'm really grateful for. And so let's listen to the feeding your demons process. This can be used, this is a fabulous, very feminine, um, I like to use that. I really like to use the terminology feminine and masculine. I, I think it's really helpful in the way the world is right now with all the institutional misogyny and internalized misogyny Misogyny is woman-hating <laughs> or being averse to things that are female. Um, I know I had a lot of internalized misogyny, and basically because I had a mother who was raised in the 60s, you know, I was raised in the early 60s and 70s, and my mother was a child of the 40s and 50s and was a very meek, sickly person who deferred her power out to the men and other people in her life, and uh, she <clears throat> she's a lot of the reason I'm a therapist. She's dead now, so I can talk openly about her. <laughs> um, 
blame mom for everything. No, we can't do that. I actually have a lot of forgiveness and compassion for my mother. But um, looking at healing from a feminine perspective, it's much more about compassion and transformation and the highest good of everyone involved. And the masculine approach, which is a kind of a Western medicalized approach, tends to only look at the physical aspects of things, tends to be at war, um, killing things. You know, there's a lot of killing metaphors, a lot of war, a lot of battling. Um, And, you know, I guess I've really come to believe that killing war and battling things, although it can produce change, it also has creates more suffering, and I think that if I if I think about the leader, the world leaders, the people that have created the greatest change, they have approached the change that they're creating from a feminine perspective. Even though most of them are men, so Dr. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, all very powerful teachers and bringers of social and internal change calling for healing and transformation, opening of the heart, that love and compassion and kindness are actually the greatest forces. And, you know, from the masculine perspective, those are seen as kind of weak, mamby-pamby, ineffective. And they don't produce change the same way as shooting someone in the head with a gun (laughs) or cutting their head off or throwing them in jail or beating them up. Um, Those are more instant change. But, you know, when you bring love to a situation, when you bring compassion and understanding to a situation, to the deepest, from a wisdom perspective, to the deepest needs that are present, you can actually heal the perpetrator. You can, and when healing happens, healing is like alchemy. Healing is actually changing the ingredients of what's happening. It's like turning garbage into compost is alchemy, making a pickle out of a cucumber. And once you, once garbage turns into compost, it can't turn back into garbage. Once a pickle, um, is pickled, it can't be a cucumber again. And so once we have really created healing change in ourselves and others in the world, it can't go backwards. And that's part of the evolutionary flow, I think, is our call to grow in greater understanding of the unity and oneness of all of us, that when we harm another, another, we actually harm ourselves. And, you know, it may seem indirect, but on an, on a soul level, we are all connected. So Feeding Your Demons is about dissolving whatever it is that's bringing suffering to our life. And it may be fear, it may be self-judgment, it may be addiction, it may be old, unhealed emotional wounds. Um, So this process is tremendously transformative. I use it on a regular basis myself. And um, so I'm going to encourage you to listen to... um, This came out of a workshop that I did, and it's a little bit of... Probably some, it's, it goes somewhat deeper than what I just said in the introduction, and then we do the process itself. So here we go feeding your demons on spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna. So, um, so this is a 
ancient Buddhist practice, um, Tibetan Buddhist practice that was developed in the 11th century, actually uh, by a Buddhist, a female lama named Machig Labdrung. And um, there's a woman today who lives in Colorado. Her name's Lama Tsultamalione, and a very cool lady. And she has rejuvenated the process um, and modernized it and calls it feeding your demons. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to record what we're doing today um, so that you guys can have access to it. It's also available on YouTube. Um, and this is a practice that can be done on all kinds of different issues. Um, it's very, it's part of my spiritual practice today. So, what the idea is, is that um, we are, instead of trying to make things go away or kill them or cut them, or, which is kind of very masculine practices that most of us do, we want to like make things go away. Um, this is a very feminine practice which actually addresses the deepest need of the issue so that the, the, need, the issue itself is transformed. And kind of like we say, once you're a pickle, you'll never be a cucumber again. Once garbage becomes compost, once transformation happens, things are different on the other side and they don't mm -hmm. come back. So often we spend our time trying to avoid these things that are painful. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to try to really get clear and curious about it and we're going to bring it up and even turn the volume up on it so that we can bring healing to it. Is this the um, bringing the guided tea? There was like a, in one of the practices where there was like the devil or whatever and you were supposed to invite him to tea? Um, that's not what this is. Okay. I don't know what that is. But, okay. Okay. Um, but if we want to have tea with the devil, okay. maybe we can do that <laughs> later this afternoon. That'll be after lunch. Tea with the devil with Julie. Okay. We'll, do that we'll talk about how to do that. We don't fight fire with fire. We don't fight fire with water. We fight fire with gasoline. There you go. So. Um, you will be asked to stand up twice in this process and face where you're sitting now. Um, and so I'll guide you through that, but just know that that's going to happen. And um, I don't know if I'm going to say too much more than that. Um, we're going to do a little body mindfulness and then um, just kind of follow as best you can with what I have to say and see what comes up. And um, okay. Okay, so um, bring your awareness into your body. You might want to close your eyes. If you want to leave your eyes open, just maybe have a soft focus on the floor in front of you. And just take a minute to really come into your body. Notice where your feet are. Notice where your hands are. Notice where your head is. And perhaps bring your awareness to your breath. as we begin to take a journey inward to connect and release whatever wants to happen for our own highest good right now. And in the Buddhist tradition, 
it's suggested to generate a heartfelt intention to do this practice for the benefit of ourselves and all beings. So you might want to take a moment and just generate a heartfelt intention that this practice benefits yourself and all beings. And so we were talking about self-judgment and the difficulties and destruction that that can cause. And so I'm wondering if you can sense or feel or imagine how you experience self-judgment in your body. Where does self-judgment live in your body? You might want to take a moment and really open your inner senses of sight and sound, taste, touch, smell, instinct, and intuition, just allowing those all to open quite widely. This is a different way of knowing. So see if you can notice where self-judgment lives in your body. Is it in your head, in your neck, shoulders, belly, chest? And how you experience it. Does it have a voice? Does it have a shape, a color, a texture? If you were going to give it a shape or a color or a texture or a temperature, it doesn't have to make any sense. Just really noticing where the judgment lives. If it's more on the left or more on the right, is it in the center, in the front or the back? What's its density? Is it like a gas or a liquid or a solid? And I'm wondering, as you become aware of this self-judgment or criticism or perfectionism in your body. And as I use those different terms, self-criticism or perfectionism, see if you can notice if there's any shift in your awareness of where it lives in your body. Does it grow or change or <clears throat> do you notice it in another place in your body that you weren't aware of before with those other words, self-judgment, self-criticism, perfectionism. And so if you can bring your awareness to that, whatever that shape, that color, that temperature, that sound, that texture. And I wonder if you could sense or feel or imagine that you could move that energy of perfectionism or self-judgment out of your body and that it could personify itself with limbs and a head and face in front of you. So we're going to take the energy of perfectionism, criticism, and we're going to move it out of our body and it's going to personify itself with limbs and a head and face in front of you. Moving that energy out of your body, personifying it in front of you. 
and notice what size it is. How big is it? Doesn't have to make any sense. How big is it? Does it have a gender? It might not. Do you sense that it has a gender? As, as it takes on a more um, concrete form, a form that you might be able to be more aware of, I'm wondering if you can notice what the covering of its body is. Does it have a color, a texture? What's its character or personality like? And if you can bring your awareness to its face and sense or feel or imagine that it had eyes, what's the look in its eyes? And see if you can notice something about it that you haven't noticed before. Noticing something about it that you haven't noticed before. And so we're going to ask it some questions and you don't need to ask the questions now, but I'm going to tell you what they are. So the questions are, what do you want? What do you really need? And how will you feel if you get what you really need? Mm -hmm. And so now keeping your eyes shut as best you can. You want to keep your awareness inside as best you can. See if you can stand up and step into the energy of this perfectionism or this self-critic. So you want to step into that energy. You might even take the posture of it. See what it feels like to be, and you face yourself where you are sitting. And see if you can take a moment, notice how it feels to be in that energy. And I wonder how your ordinary self looks from this perspective. How does the critic or the judge see you? And now I'm going to give you these questions and as best you can, answering them as if you were the judge or critic. Doesn't have to make any sense. Just whatever comes up. What I want is, what I want is, see if you can complete that sentence. What I want is, and the second question is, what I really need is, this is, 
the deepest, most authentic need of the judge or critic. What I most authentically need is, see if you can complete that sentence. What I really need is, and then how I will feel if I get what I really need is, see if you can complete that sentence. How I will feel if I get what I really need is, whatever comes up, doesn't have to make any sense. How I will feel if I get my deepest need met is, and when you're ready, carefully come back, step out of that energy, come back and sit where you were, back into your own energy on the chair or couch. If you connected with a guide or a teacher last night, you might want to take a moment and call them into the room and notice where they are in relation to you. Or if you have another aspect of higher power <coughs> that you like to work with, you're welcome to call that in as well. But it's not necessary. And I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that this guide or teacher or yourself can generate a nectar or an elixir from your body that is exactly what the critic or the judge really needs. That there's a nectar or an elixir that gets generated. Your body might dissolve and generate it. It might pour out of your heart or your hands or your eyes. It might come from your guide or teacher or aspect of higher power. That there's a nectar or an elixir that gets generated that's exactly the quality of what the critic or the judge authentically needs. And see if you can notice what the quality of that nectar or elixir is. It has a color, what its viscosity is. And it moves toward the critic or the judge. And they're able to receive it or take it up. They might drink it or eat it. It might absorb through the covering of their body or be poured over them or into the top of their head? How are they able to receive this which they actually authentically need? And there's an infinite supply of exactly what they really need. So noticing how they take it up, how they take it in, how they receive it, the quality of exactly what they really need. And they can receive 
this to their complete satisfaction. To drink or eat or receive to their complete satisfaction exactly what they really need. Infinite supply. And as they are able to receive this, as they are able to uptake exactly what they really need, notice what happens to them. Do they change? Do they become? Do they change size? Do they change quality? Do they change form? Do they dissolve? What happens to them as they receive exactly what they really need? And being able to receive, to drink, to eat, to their complete satisfaction. An infinite supply. Noticing what's happening. What happens to the critic or judge as it receives exactly what it really most deeply needs? And as it becomes satiated or satisfied, again, there's an infinite supply. Noticing what happens as it becomes satisfied, as it fully takes in exactly what it really needs. And what happens to its form? And then we want to ask it a question. So, if it has changed form, we're going to ask it a question. If it has dissolved or disappeared, we're going to ask the question in a slightly different way. So we want to ask for an ally to appear, a helper, an ally to appear. If the critic or the judge has changed form, we want to ask, are you my ally? And if it's not, we can just let the nectar take it to its, to the place of its own evolution. If it is the ally, we're going to notice its form. If it disappeared, we want to ask for the ally to appear. And when the ally comes, we want to notice what its form is. Doesn't have to make any sense. And so you might notice the size of the ally or the transformed critic. You might notice if it has a gender, the gender might have changed. 
Notice what the covering of its body is, what its density is. What's its character or personality like? What's the character or personality of the ally, the helper? And what's the look in its eyes? And now I'm wondering if you can stand up again and step into the energy of the ally or helper. So see if you can stand up and step into the energy of the ally or helper and face where you're sitting and notice what it feels like to be in the energy of the ally. And also notice how the ally sees you. How do you look in your ordinary self to the ally? And then we want to ask the ally some questions and you're gonna finish these sentences as if you were the ally. How I will help you is, finish that sentence. How I will help you is, or I will help you by, I will help you by, and the next sentence to be completed. I will protect you by. Doesn't have to make any sense. I will protect you by. The ally makes a pledge to you. My pledge or vow to you is. I pledge to fill in the blanks, or I vow I will blank. What's the pledge or vow the ally makes to you? And how you can connect with me is, and finish that sentence. You can connect with me by, and when you're ready, come back into your regular seat again. with the ally in front of you. And I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that the, ally, the energy of the ally pours into your body. That the ally is offering their life energy to help you. The ally pours energy into your body. It may enter into your heart or through your eyes or the top of your head or your belly. And the energy of the ally flows all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers and the top of your head. To every system, every organ, every cell of your body. Receiving from the ally.
perhaps you can sense or feel or imagine that the ally dissolves into light and that light pours into your body, integrating and infiltrating every cell, illuminating, transforming, healing. and that then your body dissolves into light. And you might notice if there's a color light that your body dissolves into. And you can rest a moment in stillness. And when you're ready, bring your awareness back into your body. And it might be helpful to write down your experience in your journal if you choose to do that. Hello and welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee McKenna, and I'm a therapist and healer in San Francisco. Today we're going to take a journey to an aspect of the Divine Feminine, the Great Mother, the Great and Ancient Tree, the Tree of Life that's available to all of us here on Earth. It's an aspect of the Earth energy that has only our highest good in mind. So take a moment and get settled. And when you're ready, I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that there's a path or a stairway in front of you. And this path or stairway leads to a very safe, beautiful and sacred place in nature. Notice what the path or stairway is made out of. Is it wood or stone, cement or earth? Notice if it goes up or if it goes down. And begin to travel along it. Notice if it's day or night might notice if you can hear anything, smell anything. Notice any creatures or other things along the way. And not too far up ahead, you see some kind of a transition. It might be a doorway or an arch, some kind of a change. And you pass through that transition, and on the other side, you enter into a beautiful and lush, very peaceful and sacred place in nature. Before you, 
you see a great tree. Its branches are thick and strong. They spread high into the sky. Its ancient trunk has deep roots under the ground below your feet spread in all directions anchoring it firmly to the earth notice what's around the tree what's its setting and as you approach the tree you can feel its wisdom its compassion its awareness of you And it's very glad that you have come. The great tree has been waiting for you. This is an aspect of your own true home. Your spirit can rest here. In fact, you can do whatever you want here. You can explore... You can lay down, you can climb or lean against the tree, whatever feels like the right thing to do. But open your heart, open your body, open to really feel the connection with this great mother. The resources of wisdom, strength, guidance, renewal. She is a resource and a source. Grounded, growing, always available. Available for compassion, guidance, strength, ancient knowledge. See what feels like the right thing to do. And just allow yourself to be in this presence and receive. Receive what wants to be given to you right now. Receive in your body, in your mind, your emotions your spirit and your energy system. You are a child of the earth. And the tree of life is an aspect of your own true nature.
see if there's anything that wants to be communicated or offered or done right now. Anything to receive or to release in this place. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want. When you're ready, just travel the path back that brought you here. And bringing back with you the connection with this vital and sacred aspect of the Great Mother, the Divine Feminine, of the Earth. Blessings on your path. Hi, and welcome to Spiritual Psychology, session number three. My name's Renee McKenna, and we're going to start by doing a little grounding and setting our intentions for the day. So just taking a moment and putting your feet on the floor, you can be sitting or standing and just really dropping into the body. Might want to roll your shoulders and flex your knees and fingers, toes. <laughs> 